So every year I play this game with myself and my business. I try to cut down on the number of hours that I spend in the business while keeping revenue the same or better yet, growing it. Now, why do I do this? Am I a crazy person? No, I just want to know that I'm only doing what matters in my business, doing the work that truly matters and making sure I'm doing fulfilling, meaningful work, not wasting my time. Otherwise, why not be home with my family instead of in the office working on stuff? So what I wanted to do in this episode is show you how I've gone from 30 to 40 plus hours a week and barely making enough money to survive to getting it down to around five hours a week and doing seven figures, almost multiple seven figures. You don't have to have that extreme of an experience, but if you could follow these steps and cut out one day of your work week or shave off 10 hours or 20 hours of your work week while maintaining or growing your revenue, would you be interested? In this episode, I'm going to share with you the two secrets of work that will help you become more productive once you understand them. I'm going to share with you the two lists you need and two questions you need to be asking yourself in order to be as efficient and productive as possible, not as an end in itself, just to be productive, but as a means to an end, which is to live a more fruitful life and have more freedom and flexibility to do the things you love with the people you care about. Let's discuss. Welcome to episode 179 of The Graham Cochran Show, where I'm here to help you build your online business, work less. Yeah, we're talking about that today, and live and give more. I'm your host, Graham Cochran, pumped to hang out with you. Uh, I've been missing you. I spent the last week uh, in Santorini, Greece, with my bride celebrating our 17-year wedding anniversary. We were supposed to go to Greece in 2020 for our big 15-year wedding anniversary, but you know, there's a thing that happened in the year 2020. So we punted on that trip and we circled back to it this year. It was incredible. If you live in Greece, you are a very lucky person. I feel like the food was incredible. The people were incredible. And uh, I spent the entire time in Santorini, so I can only speak for that island. That place was insanely beautiful. Have to go back. But had an incredible time. And it's relevant to today's episode because the way I've structured my business allows me to take trips like that. And the business actually was making money while I was gone, which is pretty cool. So we'll talk about how to be productive, how to be profitable at the same time. If you want to set your business up so that you can benefit from what I'm about to teach you and be able to take trips and not work and still make revenue, then you need passive income. You need an automated money machine. If not for your whole business, then at least a portion of your business. I'm talking to you service-based providers. I know you can't automate the entire process, but you want to automate at least some of it. And what I want to do is give you an entire training for free on the four components that you need to automate your business. It's my passive income workshop. It'll walk you through the four components you need, how to string them together, which is really important. And then a bunch of Strip, you know, scripts and strategies that you can like use and copy immediately to get started on your passive income element or business entirely, even if you've never started before. It's all free because I want you to have this. This is my business model. Just go to grahamcochran.com slash workshop to get access to it. It's an on-demand video training. Or if you're watching on YouTube, you can click the link below. But grahamcochran.com slash workshop. Get that business automated so then you can live your life. Okay, so let's talk about this game I play with productivity. I like this topic a lot because it's it's a big heartbeat. It's a big, you know, uh, 
hallmark of the way I run business, which is, yeah, I like making money. Yeah, I like making meaningful things in the world that help people, but I, I want to do it as efficiently as possible. I don't like working all the time to achieve my goals. I think there's a better way. There's a way with more finesse. Um, hustle is just a lazy way to operate in the world, which is just go, 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 push, 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 do more than the next guy. Come on. That's like so not creative. It takes it takes no intelligence to do that. It just takes like just willpower and it's not smart. It's kind of stupid. So there's a better way, but but it takes some ruthless soul searching. And that's what I walk you through today. So let's just go through this beat by beat. Take notes because uh, this is going to help you. The first thing you got to understand about eliminating your work hours every year. And again, this is a game I play. I didn't do it all at once. I didn't go from 40 hours a week to five overnight. It's just little by little each year. Can I trim this up? Where can I trim the fat? Does this really make a difference in my business? That kind of stuff. But it starts with two secrets about work. And I share these all the time. Number one, secret number one, not all activity that you do in your business is worthwhile. Shocking. The problem with saying that is people take offense to that because there's a reason you probably do what you're doing in your business. For example, there's probably a reason why you respond to every comment uh, on YouTube or every DM on Instagram. I'm not saying those are bad things to do, but they're not as worthwhile as other things. They're important. Again, I'm not saying you shouldn't respond to people. Don't mishear me. I'm not being cold. I'm just being factual. Certain activities are more worthwhile for your business than others. They're not all equal. So not all your activity is worthwhile. That's why indiscriminate work, just doing all the things and hustling is, is kind of stupid. And it's lazy because you're sort of saying all activity is worthwhile. Just do lots of it and more of it faster. Okay, let's pull it back and just say, wait a second. Not all activity is worthwhile. We'll get into that in a minute. And secret number two, more hours doesn't equal more revenue. The two are not correlated. Um, it's that's kind of easy to assume like, oh yeah, if I just work more, I'll make more. There's friends, there are people who are working two to three jobs. There's people in, in my neighborhood probably who are working 80 hours a week ju- just to, to make ends meet. These people aren't hustling to get rich. They're hustling to survive. And so them working more hours that's that. That's not the secret to, to riches. Like they're doing what they have to do. And I understand that. And that is a whole separate conversation. They're, they're stuck in a situation where it's hard for them to generate the revenue they need to survive. So the only way they can do it is work more hours. If you own your business, you have the luxury that not everybody has. Working more hours in your business is not the way to wealth, okay? There's a better way. Some hours are needed, but more hours doesn't automatically equal more revenue. The two aren't always correlated, okay? Those are the two secrets. So let's unpack this for a second. If you don't understand these two secrets, if you don't understand that they're a reality, you're going to fall prey to the hashtag hustle myth, right? Grind it out, rise and grind. You're gonna fall prey to all of that because you don't realize there is a, there's more finesse, Okay. There's a strategy that's based around Pareto's principle. We've been talking about this for years. Vilfred Pareto, it's named after him, an Italian economist who sort of seemingly coined, there's other people that figured this out too, but coined this phrase, this 80-20 rule, seeing this lopsided ratio in nature. And you have probably experienced this yourself. You've probably studied this. You've probably heard me talk about this. The 80-20 rule is very real. And it's not that clean. I get it. It's not always 80% and 20%. 
But this lopsided nature is so real. And if you will embrace it, this is the secret to you working less and making the same, if not more. It's very elegant. So it states, by function of the way the universe is designed, 80% of your results are going to come from 20% of your effort, which is interesting. In your business, there's all these activities you could be doing, and they're all potentially moving the ball down the field. A lot of them aren't, but we'll get into that in a second. But let's assume for a moment that they all are, but they all aren't moving you down the field in the same capacity. Some tasks, some activities, likely 20% or less, are the ones really making the difference. And if you can understand that, you're free. Because then you can start to get ruthless and you can start to change the way you show up in your business and you can actually eliminate a lot of the stuff you're doing and make the same revenue, if not more. So what, what's important here, understanding these two secrets, is that you identify that 20%. The 20% of the things you do in your business that truly matter, that truly grow the business, that truly generate income. This is why I challenge people when they, when they talk about social media. They spend all this time making TikTok videos, doing reels on Instagram. And if they're having fun, that's great. But if they think that leads to revenue, mm, prove it. And I say, prove it to me. And you don't have to prove it to me. Like, I'm not in your business. Who cares what I think? But you need to prove it to yourself. Before you just blindly do the thing, you need proof that that thing is worthwhile. So let's move on to what this looks like practically, okay? There's two lists you need in your business, and there's two questions you need to ask yourself, okay? It starts by doing a 80-20 analysis. I do this every six months to a year, minimum a year. Every year you got to do this. Ideally, every six months you do this because a lot can change in six months. But it starts with two simple questions. What 20% of my activities are leading to 80% of my stress and frustration? So we want to start by eliminating the small fraction of the things you do that are stressing you out and leading to all your frustration. What 20% of my activities are creating 80% of my stress and frustration? Okay. And then the flip question is what 20% of my activities are resulting in 80% of my happiness or revenue? Because not all activities that make you happy are revenue drivers. Some of the activities you do, you actually enjoy. So it's important to note that. And also have the distinction of whether those things that bring you happiness also bring you revenue or not. Ideally, the things that bring you happiness bring you revenue, and that's the the perfect match, right? What you need to do by asking these questions, it really starts with a long list, right? If I were you, I would sit down and list out, and I've had my students and clients do this before, every single activity you do in your business in a given week or month. I mean, every little thing. Uh, In my mastermind um, a couple of weeks ago, uh, one of the couples is on a hot seat. They run a business together. They're doing phenomenal work. Um, and they were talking about outsourcing things. And they had put together a list for us in their presentation for their hot seat, every task they do in their business. And it was nothing out of the ordinary. But when you see every little thing, create thumbnail, upload video to YouTube, write YouTube description, you know, come up with a YouTube title. When you break it down to every little thing you do in your business, Seeing that list was like exhausting for everyone in the group. We're looking at the list and we're like, oh my gosh, but that's what we're all doing. So it starts with writing out every single thing you do in a day, week, or month in your business because some things are weekly, some things are monthly, uh, some things are every day. Write those things down and then you need to 
ask yourself those two questions and identify the 20% that lead to your stress and frustration. Those are bad. The 20% that lead to your happiness and revenue. Those are good, obviously. And taking the time to identify these things are going to give you two lists that you need in your business and life, a to-do list and a not-to-do list, okay? The to-do lists are going to be your top activities. You're like, if I do these things, it drives revenue and it makes me happy. And your not-to-do list is like, if I do these things, I get frustrated and they're a complete time suck and they don't drive the business forward, so why am I doing them? Let me give you an example. Early on in the recording revolution, my first business, um, I discovered three things that were driving me crazy and not profitable for my business. Number one was being an email. I was spending about two to three hours a day in my inbox. Number two was getting lost on Twitter back when Twitter was the thing and it was the only social media platform I was really on. It's just like spending hours on Twitter, interacting with people, social media. And number three was dealing with customer support issues. People like I lost my download link. I can't get into my backend. I want a refund, blah, blah, blah. This, these three things, email, customer service, Twitter, were leading to the majority of my frustration and taking up a majority of my time and they weren't leading to revenue. So on the flip, so these were my not to-do list. On the flip, my to-do list, it was like things like creating blog posts and shooting videos, emailing my list, and creating the content for my membership. These things led to the bulk of my revenue. And they're things I enjoy doing. I enjoy making content for you. I enjoy making content for my members and my membership. I enjoy writing promo emails to my list. Those are the things that actually drive the business forward. So I literally would put a sticky note on my desk or my computer monitor. I had a to-do list, promote to my email list, create content, and serve my members, right? And then a not-to-do list. Don't be on Twitter. (laughs) Minimize the time in your inbox. And and don't do customer support, which meant I had to hire somebody to do customer service. You need customer service, but that doesn't mean you have to do it. Make sense? So two questions, two lists. And then here's the thing. In doing this 80-20 analysis, you're going to be identifying your top 20% of tasks, that long list of tasks you created your overarching goal is to identify the top 20%, the one-fifth of the stuff you do that truly, truly matters. And then the question you have is, well, what about the other 80% that I'm doing? What do you do with the other 80%? And it's very simple. There's only three possible answers for the remainder of those things on your list, right? It's either eliminate those things, automate those things, or delegate those things, okay? So, You've got your 80-20 analysis. You've at least just taken a look. You may not have a solution, but you've done the analysis. You've created your two lists. You know what your your to-do list is, your top three three things or so in your business, and your not-to-do list. The things that you shouldn't be doing, whether it's those top three or the remaining 80%, again, your only three options are eliminate them, automate them, or delegate them to somebody else. And you want to do them in that order. Why? Because it makes no sense to hire somebody, to pay somebody to do something that could literally be stopped completely and your business won't feel the dent. It makes no sense, right? So the first step is not to hire people. It's never to hire people right away. The first step is to do the thing that most business owners won't do, and that is eliminate, meaning stop doing as many things as you possibly can. Challenge everything on that list, This is where you move from being the worker hat, the employee hat 
of doing the tasks. You take that off for a second um, and you put on the CEO hat, the owner hat, the boss hat. And when you're wearing that metaphorical hat, your job as a CEO is to challenge, why are we doing this over here, right? Sometimes CEOs get a bad rap when they they eliminate, they come, like they hire a company, hires a new CEO, and he comes and he like downsizes an entire department or division and eliminates them entirely. Sometimes it's bad business, but a lot of times it's smart because that CEO is saying, why are we paying these people over here to do these things that don't move the business forward? Do we even need that department? We might've created it for a season. We might've created it un, un, with unfounded reasons. I don't know, but it's here. But my job isn't to just to say, well, they're already here. Let's keep them here. No, your CEO hat's job is to say, prove to me that this position or this department or these tasks that we're doing in the business are necessary and important. So if they aren't, let's eliminate them. So put on that CEO hat and go line by line to everything on that list with the the idea and the filter of being, if we eliminated this, would the business suffer? And if it suffered, would it suffer substantially or not? Because sometimes the business might suffer a smidge, but not by much. For example, I had a service that I offered for my first online business. I remember I was selling mostly online courses in the Recording Revolution, but I had a service on my website where I would do a, a free mix critique. So I was teaching people how to mix and produce music. And so it was called Mix Rescue. And what I would do is um, you could put your name in the hat and I would pick somebody you know, once a month or so, or once a week. And I, I would listen to their song and give some feedback for free on their song. Um, and the idea was that it was a nice service. It got people excited. And I, I was trying to then use that to get leads for, for the client side of my business, where I'd actually produce music for bands. And there was a time and place for that where it was cool early on and I got some good client work out of it. Um, but at one point when I was doing an 80-20 analysis, I realized I, if I stop doing this, I will lose some potential revenue because I was getting a steady stream of leads from my client side of the business. But compared to what I'm making in my courses, it's not gonna be that much of a loss of revenue, but I'd free up a lot of time and mental space that I could then reapply to coming up with a new course or doing a better promotion or writing better sales copy or updating my funnel, et cetera, et cetera. So it doesn't always mean eliminate things that make no money. Sometimes you're gonna eliminate things that do make some money, but they don't make sense for you to put time into that because you could put the same effort or time into something else and 5X your revenue because that's the smarter thing to do. So eliminate as much as you possibly can. Once you've eliminated as much as you possibly can, you're gonna be left with a, a list, hopefully, that you've proven yourself or is important to the revenue driving, driving the business and the business staying healthy. You have to be honest with yourself. Again, I can't make that decision for you, only you can. But if you're left with a list of things that like these must be done, again, before you hire someone to do what's remaining, See if you can automate some of those things through software. There's so much software available today that can do a lot of the tasks that a person would do, but more efficiently and much cheaper. So just start doing your research. Can I automate social media posting? Can I automate um, you know, transcribing a video and turning it into a blog post? Can I automate, I don't know, whatever it is, calendar integration, booking calls. Automate whatever you possibly can with a piece of software because I guarantee you it's gonna be cheaper. Uh, than hiring somebody. So you've eliminated, you've automated what you can of what's left that's important. And then whatever cannot be eliminated and cannot be automated, 
but you don't want to do because it's driving you crazy or it's taking up a lot of time and it's not the highest use of your time, that's when you delegate to somebody else and you hire. Now, this does not have to be a full-time hire. This can be a part-time contractor. My very first hire was 10 hours a week. I hired a buddy of mine to just check my email once a day and to spend one to two hours, basically two hours a day in my inbox, you know, deleting the hate emails, uh, taking care of the customer service issues, um, filtering my emails and, and labeling things for me so I could see the important things, getting rid of spam, all that kind of stuff. Email is important and customer service is important. Can't eliminate it. It's really hard to use software to do all your customer service. You really need a person case by case basis to know what to do. But I d- couldn't be that person anymore. I needed to spend my time creating content and, and being the face of the brand. Um, so that was a higher worthwhile, but it was just hiring a buddy for 10 hours a week. Very low cost, very easy to do. And I've had multiple different people in that role over the years. When I had my friend needed to move on, I hired somebody else for a few years and he needed to move on. That, that, that position has flexed to be 20 hours where he or she has done more work. Um, that can look like a lot of different ways, but it can be a simple hire. It can start with a friend of yours or you can hire somebody uh, on Upwork or Fiverr. Or you can hire an actual assistant from a company that vets personal assistants, virtual assistants, and they can do some of that work for you and you can get them trained. And if they no longer work out, that company or the service can replace them and find somebody else for you. A lot of ways to do that. It's worth noting if you eliminate some of these tasks, some of those 80% of the tasks or even products or services maybe that you're offering that don't make sense. Like I eliminated a, a service that I was offering you might lose some revenue. I'm not saying eliminating things means you'll lose no revenue. You might lose some revenue because again, the 80-20 rule, if you were following it, would say that that 80% that's kind of pointless, it is generating 20% of your revenue. So I'm sure some of what you're doing, although it's taking up so much time, is contributing to some of your revenue. So you might lose some revenue in the short term, but you will gain in return tons of time. If you follow the math and you have your tasks and you cut out four-fifths of it, but your revenue drops by 20%, you're still making 80% of what you made before, but now it's only taking you one-fifth the amount of time. You could double down on the 20% that's making a difference and in theory, double your income and you're still working less than half the time. That's where the math gets exciting. So doing less makes more sense because you're forcing yourself to only do what matters. You're revealing the bloat, revealing the waste, and then allows you to focus and double down on the things that really make a difference. Before we wrap up, I wanna give you two questions that Tim Ferriss asks in his monumental work, The 4-Hour Work Week, which everyone should read at least once, if for no other reason than for the elimination section of the book, the 25% of the book that's dedicated to this type of stuff. This is where I got so inspired years ago when I read it back in 2007 uh, and then again in 2009 when I started my business. Um, That section of the book is worth it alone. But he asks two great hypothetical questions that will help you um, identify those 20%. If you're getting stuck and you're like, I don't know, I don't know if I can eliminate any of these things. Here's what Tim Ferriss says. Two thought exercises. One thought exercise, basically, but two two levels deep. I want you to imagine for a second that you have a heart attack. Out of the blue, you have a heart attack. You're in the hospital. 
Doctor comes in. You're recovering. He says, good news. You're going to live. You're going to live. But doctor's orders, you need to take it easy. And the doctor says, you're not allowed to work more than two hours a day. When you leave the hospital, you go back to your home office, your laptop, or wherever you work. Doctor's orders, you can only work two hours a day max to protect your heart and your health. What tasks would you do in your business to keep generating income if you were only allowed to work two hours a day? Write that down. Think about that. If doctor's orders, you could only work two hours a day, what tasks would you choose to do then to keep generating income? It's not going to be ideal. I get it. Someone's going to be mad at you. Sure. You're not going to get back to people in time. I'm sure. Something's going to be dropped. I get it. That's inevitable. But your health is at risk. But what could you do in only two hours a day to keep uh, revenue coming in? Okay, that's question number one. Let's take it a layer deeper. Imagine you have a second heart attack. Okay. You're back in the hospital and the doctor lays the hammer on you. He says, friend, I told you to take it easy. You're like, I know I was doing the two hours a day. He's like, yep, I think it's too much. Doctor's orders, you're only allowed to work two hours per week. What tasks would you do in those two hours a week that you're given from your doctor to generate income? This gets really hard. When I ask myself these questions, and I've been doing this for years, and I get down to the two hours a week, it becomes very clear and simple create one piece of content as fast as I possibly can, which is going to mean like no B-roll in my videos, no editing. I'm not going to spend forever researching. I'm just going to show up and deliver value, not overthink it. Just create one piece of content as fast as I possibly can and write promo emails to my list to promote products and services. If I have time, I'll check email and make sure my customers are taken care of, but as quickly as possible. So maybe I'll spend an hour creating a piece of content, 30 minutes writing a promo email, 30 minutes checking my customer service email and take care of it. That's it. Very telling when you think about that. It's crude. It's not ideal. I'm a perfectionist in a lot of ways, so it makes my skin crawl to be like, oh, but that's all undone and that's not perfect and people are going to be angry and I want people to like me. But if I had to, that's what would generate revenue in my business and likely in yours as well. Some combination of content and email promotion. So the game isn't just a game. It's, it's life. Reducing your work hours isn't just an exercise in, you know, privileged online business owner land, like, oh, let's see how few hours I can work and make lots of money. You know, I don't know where you land on this. This is, this is a, a core belief of mine, which is work is not a bad thing at all. I, I, I believe very clearly as a Christian that God designed us to work. So work inherently is a good thing. Overwork is a bad thing. Um, 
indiscriminate work, just working more hours because you think it'll make you more money or to make you feel good about yourself, or there's a lot of weird pressure in, in American and Western culture, that's not a good thing. Um, and never taking the time to be discerning and to be wise and to be ruthless about, hey, am I using my time well, or am I just doing all the things? That's not good. Being efficient, is this, is, this exercise is good because it makes you a more sober-minded and more effective leader in your business. And it'll help you grow your income. It really will. When you identify the top 20%, even if you kept working the same number of hours, just by knowing the things that drive revenue, isn't that your job as a business owner? Isn't that the CEO's job is to know what drives revenue and then orient the business around that in such a way that the business can grow to maximize the output and uh, shareholder value, right? Now, we do this not just for profit only, but in a way that also uh, makes a difference in the world. So we have the best of both worlds, but that's the CEO's job. So identifying that 20% is critical just to know what's driving the business. But then let, let me just throw this layer in there and we'll wrap up is I'm a fan of being ruthless in your activities in your business, getting it down to the bare minimum for a greater purpose, which is flexibility and freedom for what you might say, Graham, to just sit on a beach all day? No, two things. One, to pursue other passions and other people and things that you care about, to be freed up to volunteer at your soup kitchen, to volunteer in your church, to take your kids to school, to pick them up from school, to be freed up for those things that you really care about because your work isn't the only thing. You have other elements of your life that are valuable and most people regret working so much in their lives when they get to the end of their lives and they wish they'd spend a little bit more time, if not a lot more time, with people they care about, doing things that are meaningful to, meaningful to them outside of their work. So you're freeing yourself up to do those things. But also, you're freeing yourself up for the unexpected. Having a business that's largely automated and efficient allows you to absorb unexpected hard things a lot easier. There's a death in your family. There's a sickness. There's an emergency. There's something that's unplanned, which happens all the time. If your business is efficient and focused and largely automated, you can absorb it and continue to take care of your family revenue-wise, income-wise, and continue to serve your customers and students because you've done the hard work in advance. You've basically prepared for whatever storm might come by just doing the due diligence to become efficient. So this isn't just a stupid rich person game. This is a, this is a game that has a purpose, which is acknowledging that there's more to life than your work, and also there's so much unexpected that could come. Why not have a business that's super efficient, super lean, super automated to absorb the unexpected ups and downs in your life? And those can be ups as well. You can get a really cool opportunity that requires your time and your effort and you're not freed up to do it because you've done the hard work in advance to whittle down your business to just its core essence. So there you go, my friend. There is the productivity game that I play every single year. Question is real simple. What is your one action step? What is the one thing you are going to do immediately following today's episode to help you become more productive in your business? Leave a comment below if you're watching on YouTube. If you're listening on the podcast, 
I want you to say out loud when this is over, what is the one thing you need to do next? Is it an 80-20 analysis? Is it to create your to-do list and your not-to-do list? Is it to outsource one thing? Is it to automate one thing? What is your next step? Let me know. And if you don't have your business set up in such a way that it's built on this automated machine, you need to watch my Passive Income Workshop. It's 100% free. It will clear up a lot of confusion for you if you're newer to this space. Just go to grahamcochran.com slash workshop. I make it free for you so that you can understand my business model in depth, build off of that, and build your business and change the world. Have an amazing rest of your week, and I'll see you in another episode real soon. 